0: Genesis chapter one, I'm gonna ask you to turn there with me and uh, we're gonna look at the latter, uh, look at some verses in the latter part of the chapter here this morning. When you found your place, if you would please stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning. Genesis chapter one and verse number 26 is where we're, we're gonna to begin to read. Genesis one, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let me pause right there. God speaks to Himself in the plural because of how God manifests Himself. We know from God's Word there is one God that manifests Himself in three persons: the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So um, it's it's not wrong for Him to receive a personal pronoun such as His, which is singular but also speak about himself as our, which is plural because both are accurate. So God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, (coughs) pardon me, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So we're going to go into chapter two now and skip down just a little ways. And so just so we're all on the same page here, what we're going to read in chapter two is a more detailed record of what we just read in chapter one. In chapter one, the Bible says that, that uh, he said, let us uh, uh, make man in our image. And then in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. And it's just stated generally With chapter two, we're going to read uh, more specific details about what that looked like. If you'll skip down with me to verse number seven, uh, chapter two, verse seven. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning and Just communicate your truth through your word, by your spirit, into the hearts of your people. And Lord, I pray that uh, if you do see fit to speak to us about anything, uh, that Lord, we would be willing to talk to you about that too. And God, at the end of this message, when opportunity is given to respond, I pray that you would give every person who's been spoken to the courage to respond and speak to you about what you spoke to them about this morning. And God, we thank you for that opportunity and that you are that personal of a God who wants to have that conversation. And I pray that you'd do that today in Jesus name. Amen. And thank you and you may be seated. <clears throat> so God said that he created man in his image. And I won't have I won't have time this morning to go into all that that means that Man was created in the image of God, but I I do want to point out a couple things that God imparted into man that he did not impart into any other aspect of his creation that is completely unique to him. It could only be God who could give out these things because these things only belong to God. One thing is something that God called dominion. Dominion means power or authority, And we know from God's word that all power belongs to God. All power comes from God. God is the only one who has authority to use or authority to give. And so part of God creating man in his own image was giving God something that he called dominion or authority. If I could encourage you to look at it this way, another way of saying dominion would be Um, Authority in decision-making. Authority in decision-making. As a matter of fact, later on in chapter 2, we see a specific reference to man putting that God-given dominion into practice when God caused all of the animals in creation to pass before him. Now, there's a name for that, too. God making all of the animals to pass before Adam is called sovereignty. And God has that. God sovereignly caused all of those animals to pass before before Adam. But then God told Adam, Adam, you name them. And whatsoever you name them, that's what they're gonna be called. And that is God allowing man to exercise dominion or the authority in decision-making, or what you and I might call free will. God wasn't, God wasn't whispering in Adam's ear, that's a zebra. And Adam's saying, I think we'll call that zebra. And then God whispers, giraffe. All right, that's a giraffe. It wasn't like that. No, God gave dominion to Adam, and Adam had completely free authority to make decisions and God honored the choices that Adam made. As a matter of fact, we know that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So whenever God inspired a man to write what an animal is called, God was honoring Adam's decision to name the animal that. It, it's astounding. That's, that's amazing that this God who has all authority gave to man dominion or the, this free ability to make decisions. It's an incredible thing. Another thing that God has and only belongs to God that he imparted unto man is an eternal existence. He didn't give that to any of the rest of his creation, but he gave that to mankind. God only possesses eternity. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 57 says he inhabits eternity. That's God's dwelling place, but God gave man an eternal existence and that's part of being created in his image and bearing his characteristics that, that no other aspect of cre- his creation has. So we find that, that God uh, made man in his own image and the image of God created he, him. Well, how did he do this? Well, that's where we get in chapter two, verse seven, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. Uh, I, I know I've, I'm a visitor today. I'm a guest in your services. And it's not, it's not right for a guest to show up and call people dirty. <laughs> I, I shouldn't refer to you as dirt bags this morning, especially Sunday morning, you know, uh, that sort of thing. But, but let, me, let me just be honest with this. We are made from the dust of the ground. This is confirmed by the fact that when we die, our bodies go back to the dust of the ground. Uh, It's what God did when he made Adam. And adams uh, we were created in Adam. The Bible teaches us in the book of Romans. And so God created us all at the same time in Adam. And so we're all made of the same material. We're all made of the same stuff. We're made out of Dust. It's also evidenced by the fact that, that uh, there's parts of us falling off all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's been scientifically studied and found out that in the average household, 80% of the dust that you clean up off your coffee table, end tables, the top of your refrigerator is you or at least what was you at one part. The part of you that died and flaked off and you got to go around cleaning up literally after yourself. Now, some of that can be household dust that's brought in on your feet or dust is blown in or if you've got pets, some of that can be pet dander, but, but a lot of it is just dead skin cells and we'll get to that in a minute. But God formed us physically from the dust of the ground, but that's not the extent of God's creation. As a matter of fact, that's not the extent of God's image that we bear. Because remember, let us make man in our image, and those plural pronouns refer to the Godhead, the triune nature of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so another aspect of being in God's image was that he didn't just form us from the dust of the ground and that's who we were, but God actually went further to create man as a trichotomy. Three parts that make up the totality of who we are as a being. And they're all right here in verse 7. God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. Some of you might know this. If you don't, you can certainly search this out yourself and find out that I am telling you the truth this morning, but that word breath and the word spirit is the same word. It's the same word. God put a spirit into man for the purpose of being able to have communication with His Spirit. So while God created us physically from the dust of the ground, God created us to be spiritual by breathing into man's nostrils the breath or the spirit of life. So man is, man is flesh, that's the earthly part of us, and man is spirit That's the spirit that God imparted to us when he breathed into Adam's nostrils. Still not done yet. Because when that happened, man became a living soul. That's really who we are. Our soul is the complete essence of our being. And the fact that God created man to be a living soul, if you study that out, you'll find that what that means is that's when God imparted eternity into mankind. That's the part of man that will exist forever. And it can be argued biblically that that even the flesh will have an eternal existence as well. But for sure, that soul is that eternal part of us that will have eternal existence. Now you might notice something, that I'm carefully saying eternal existence And not eternal life. Because biblically they're not the same thing. And here's why. Because when God made man, he made man, he formed him physically from the dust of the ground. He breathed into him a spirit of life, the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And we don't know how long man existed in this state. But we know this, when God was done, he looked at it and he said, this is very good. Everything was exactly how God intended it and what God wanted. He put them in the garden. He gave them what they needed. And they had one commandment. Do not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the moment that you eat of that tree, thou shalt surely die. Die means die. Biblically, the word death means separate. Death is always associated with separation. The reason we use the word death in our, in our tongue, in our language, for physical death is because of the belief that it's at that moment that the soul and spirit separate from the body. That's why death is called death. But there's more death involved that comes by sin than just physical death. It is a cessation of life. We know that for a fact. And God said that if you disobey the commandment that I've given you, that, that you will surely die. And so we don't know how long that time period went, but we know this, that the Bible says in Genesis 3 that the serpent came to Eve in the Garden of Eden and he pointed out that tree and he tempted her with that fruit and she analyzed it and she looked at it. And I'm just gonna say that, that here's another evidence of dominion at work Because God had already stated his will, but man had a will too. And Eve exercised her dominion. And she ate of that fruit. And then she gave to her husband and he exercised his dominion. He made his choice and he ate of that fruit. And the devil had said, now if you eat of this fruit, you will not surely die. And I got to be honest with you, when you're reading through Genesis 3, if you're not understanding what's really going on here, you can almost think that the devil told the truth. Because as a matter of fact, what the Bible says is, it wasn't like a Snow White and the Seven Dwarves story where they ate of the fruit and fell over, gone. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when they ate of the fruit, their eyes were opened. Not closed in death, but their eyes were opened. And they were ashamed. So the question has to be asked, did they, does sin really bring death? I mean, they didn't just fall over. Who was telling the truth, God or the serpent? Well, Here's the reality of what was going on. Time has proven this. The Bible has proven this. The New Testament proves this. That exactly what God said would happen did happen. The moment Adam ate of that fruit, the spirit that God created in him died. Which means this. Man became separated from, from any communication or fellowship with a holy God. The spirit was dead. Immediately, the body was dying. You say, that's hardly believable. I mean, I've read the Bible preacher and Adam lived like 900 and something years. Hang on just a second. Yeah, he lived 900 and something years. That's a drop in the bucket compared to eternity That he was meant to live. Yeah, it took longer for the process to happen back then, but it still happened. From the moment of sin, the spirit was dead, cut off. The body was dying and the soul was immediately under the eternal condemnation of death. So guess what? Body, soul, and spirit, death moved in on all three from the moment of sin. That's why, that's why Paul could say in Romans chapter 5, that so as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all, for all have sinned. So when you go back and you look at the temptation that the serpent brought to Eve that was then extended unto Adam, you've got to wonder, wait a minute, what happened here? God said this was gonna happen and maybe it didn't happen exactly like they expected it might happen, but it still happened. The body was dying, the spirit was dead, the soul under the condemnation of death for all of eternity, all of that brought on by a sinful choice How can you you ignore so easily what God said and embrace something that the devil said? And I'm going to tell you, it's like this. It's temptation. When she saw that the tree was good for food. When she saw that it could make one wise. When she started looking at the temporary and not the eternal. This is what I want to preach on this morning. I think it's the devil's greatest priority. And here's what I believe it is. If he can distract humanity from realizing that they are more than just a fleshly existence. The devil doesn't want you to realize that you have a spirit that is separated from communication and fellowship with God. The devil does not want you to realize that you are an eternal being with an eternal soul that is going to spend eternity somewhere. He wants to distract you from that. He he doesn't want you to think about that. He doesn't want you to recognize that part of you or feed that part of you or seek reconciliation for that part of you. He wants all of your attention on this right here. He, He wants you to make sure you're getting enough to eat. He wants you to make sure you've got enough money in the bank. He wants you to make sure you're entertained. He wants you to make sure that you've got something to deaden the pain when life brings it along. He wants you to make sure that in your fleshly existence, all of your attention is right there and forget the other aspects or be ignorant of the other aspects of what God created you to be. That's why this world system is set up like it is. This entire world system in which we live is set up to give all attention night and day, moment by moment on your fleshly existence. The entertainment industry is is designed to, to give you a little laugh right here and a little chuckle right here and a little drama right here and a little sadness right here and all with the intention of filling your time, carrying you a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper in the hopes that one day you'll run out of time before you realize God intended much more. Yeah, that's good. Amen. There's a lot of people that are missing out. On a whole lot of their life. A whole lot of the fullness of what God created us to be and what God created us to have. And there's a lot of people that come to grips with the fact that there is a longing, there is something missing, that there, there's something that should be that's not there. And sure enough, the world and the flesh and the devil are right there to say, hey, this could be it, try this. And when it fails, there's immediately something else. Try this. And when it fails, immediately something like this. And it could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be an illicit sexual relationship. It could be an extramarital affair. It could be a number of things that are constantly being brought up saying, hey, this is what you're missing. This is what you're longing for. This is what you lack. But they never satisfy. And the destination is never where we think. It's going. And all of a sudden when we find ourselves there, we're just as empty as we began. Except more broken. More frustrated. More confused. More hurt. And it's because the devil's trying to hold a curtain up over two-thirds of who we are as a creation of God, yeah, right. and just get his focus on this body of clay, that's true. just on our flesh, just this temporal aspect of our existence. And by the way, the weakest and least satisfying part of who God made us to be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And He's a master of distraction. He doesn't want you hearing the truth of the word of God. He definitely doesn't want you to realize that death in all of its forms were remedied by Christ's death on Calvary. Right? Yes. He doesn't want you to realize that he took your physical death when his hands and feet were nailed to an old rugged cross and he shed his blood and gave up the ghost and died in your place. He doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to know that he had the power to lay down his life and he had the power to raise it up again because that spirit of life is him. He doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to know that whoever receives Christ by faith in what he did on Calvary and by his resurrection from the dead receives that spirit of life afresh and anew and our spirit becomes alive in Jesus Christ so that Paul could say in Ephesians chapter two, and ye who were dead in trespasses and sins, and ye have he quickened Made alive is what that word means. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's right. He doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to know that to receive Christ as Savior is to change the eternal destination of your soul. That's right. yep. From a separation from God throughout all of eternity to the knowledge that we're going to be in his presence that where he is, there we will be also. He didn't want you to know that. Because Jesus died, because he rose again, because he proved that he was victorious over death, in Jesus we can find life. And then he said this, as if that wasn't good enough, In John 10, Jesus says this, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundant. Jesus said, I'm what you're looking for. I'm the fulfillment of every longing. I, 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 I not only can enable you to have a wonderful life on this earth. And I'm not talking about prosperity gospel stuff. There's still gonna be hardships, there's still gonna be rough times, but what I find out in my daily walk with God is He daily loadeth me with benefits. I mean, he fills up my cup time and time again. He puts food on my table in the presence of mine enemies. He walks with me. It's a glorious way to live to walk with Jesus Christ once again. But I'm telling you, the the, the material and the physical blessings that God provides me as his child are not to be compared with the knowledge that I have access into the throne room of God anytime I want to through my Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. that because He is my great high priest, I can come boldly under the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help any time I need it. Yes, amen. <laughs> what a blessing that is. Yes. With this Spirit now made alive, I get to walk with Him. I get to talk with Him. I get to have fellowship with Him. I know he's real. I know he's alive. I know he's coming back. Because we talk every day. And it's not a one-sided conversation. But I talk to him and he talks to me. And it's real and it's fulfilling and it's better than anything else the world has to offer. And then there's the peace that fills my heart of, Every night when I put my head on the pillow, knowing if I don't wake up in the morning, I know where I'm going to be. Yes, sir. I know where my soul's headed. Amen. I know where my eternal existence is going to be because he promised, he promised that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. That's the best news I can give you today. So now I got to ask you a question. Are you deceived? Are you distracted? Or do you have what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, as I'm preaching this, is there something in you that goes, I know exactly what he's saying because I have the same thing. Or are you sitting there this morning going... I- I just don't know anything more than the mundane day-to-day. Because I'm telling you, there's a Savior who's alive and wants, wants you to be so much more than just a meaningless existence. He wants your life to have purpose. He wants you to have His full joy. He wants you to have peace that passes all understanding. He, he wants you to know that. And if you don't know that, is it possible that you don't know that because the devil's distracted you to look at your life as just this, just this existence in a, in a temporal world of a temporal flesh and nothing's being done with the spirit and the soul. Okay, can we take it a step farther? I won't wait for you to answer, I'm going on. Thanks for asking, by the way. What are you doing to nourish every aspect that God created you to be? I dare say if I went to your house right now, I'd find food in the refrigerator and the pantry because your body needs that to live. Well, maybe not everything in your pantry. But it needs food you probably have access to water or something liquid because your body needs that. We know what it is to take care of our flesh. In Ephesians 5, no man ever hated his own flesh, but he loves it and he nourishes it and he cares for it. Well, I'm asking the question this morning, if God made us more than just flesh from the dust of the ground, God created his spirit and soul as well. What would we find in our everyday life that is there on purpose for the nourishment of them? Now, in a way, I get to preach to the choir this morning, in a way, literally. But I'm preaching to people who are in church. And hopefully you're in church this morning because you've realized My spirit and my soul, they need something too. They need fed too. And my spirit and my soul, they get fed by being around God's people. They get fed by fellowship with God's children. That They get fed by singing praise to God. That My spirit and my soul benefit from hearing the preaching of God's word. So guess what? If food is a necessary part of our daily life, don't you think church should be part of our weekly existence? Just like we could find food in the pantry and the refrigerator and Water in the faucet and just like you've got a bed for you to sleep in so your body gets rest and recuperation. I, I wonder if on a daily basis we would find you spending time in the Word of God. Spending time in prayer. I wonder if you are actively sharing your faith with other people. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yeah. If, if, we, if we already know that one aspect of God's creation needs the daily sustenance then when we reject the lie of the devil and we buy into God's truth that we're more than just that shouldn't we be actively feeding all of who God made us to be? Now, I know it's family weekend here at Eastside Baptist Church. So if you'll indulge me, let me be very specific here. That is the responsibility of an individual, but it is something that should be in every family unit that knows God. Yes, sir. It should be, there should be an active involvement in the nourishment of the spiritual condition of every member of the family. Mm -hmm. Let me let me just throw the checklist out there real quick. And I'm preaching to myself as well as I'm preaching to anybody else. How's the devotions? I'm talking about as a family. How's the prayer as a family? How's the fellowship as a family? Parents, how much do you listen to your kids about what they're going through? And I'm not just talking about the, the growing pains and the physical stuff. But how, how, how in tune are you with what's going on in your kid's spirit and in their soul? The questions about God they questions about the Bible. If they're coming to Sunday school and if you're, if you're having devotions, I promise your kids have questions. And I, and I know because I talk to people all the time about this. There's parents that go, oh, that would be like the worst. If my parents, if my kids came to me with Bible questions, I just don't want that to happen. It's not the worst. It's the best. Well, what if I don't know the answer? Okay, bear with me here. Here's what you're gonna have to do. You're going to have to say, I don't know the answer. Let's go to God's word and let's find it together. And if we can't do that, God's given us a pastor. And we're going to get with our pastor and we're going to ask him. And he might not know the answer, but he's going to jump in that Bible study with us. And if it can be figured out, we're going to figure it out. And if it can't be figured out, God didn't want us to obviously didn't want us to really care that much about it and so we're going to move on. But it can be something that's done together as a family and you don't have to be scared of it and you don't have to freak out about it. Mm -hmm. God's word is there for all of us and it's a family situation to cultivate the life of everybody in that family, body, soul and spirit. There needs to be that nourishment. We're staying down the road in a hotel here. I knew what I was going to preach. Nobody else staying in the hotel did. But man, my heart was grieved after I came to prayer meeting this morning. I was going back to the hotel to pick up my family and I watched elevator load after elevator load of people getting off and obviously heading out to baseball games, softball games, All this kind of stuff. I want to say right now, I like sports. I don't see anything wrong with sports unless sports are being used by the devil to distract from the spiritual and soulish part of who we are so that that part never gets addressed, that part never gets fed, that part never gets attention. And sports are just passing the time of our young people leading them further and further and further from a knowledge of God. Yes. I'm being honest with you about that Amen. today. Right. And for, a, for somebody who's understood, I am more than just a temporal fleshly existence. I'm telling you, church ought to be a priority in your family. Yes, sir. To the point where somebody has the backbone to stand up and say, we don't play sports on Sunday. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. I'm being as serious as I can be about that when there's church time, that's not sports time. Right, right, right. Well, preacher, you're not gonna find a sport that doesn't play on a church time anymore. Well then we'll find another hobby. Yeah, right. yeah. It's good. I'm not preaching to you anything I don't do in my home. Yeah. Right. yeah. And and I've got kids that are involved in martial arts. Don't mess with them. Yeah. <laughs> I've got kids that are involved in martial arts. I got a son that plays baseball. They take they take music lessons Never interfering with the church time. Because don't think kids don't pick up on priorities. And they need to see in that home, hey, we're more than just a temporal fleshly existence. We gotta have our soul fed. We gotta have our spirit kept open with God. So there's some things that we need that we can't, we can't deny, we can't reject we can't forget about and just go through the routines of life. No, no, the devil is happy. The world is happy. The flesh is happy if that physical existence is all that gets the attention. Yes, sir. But I'll tell you where life really thrives is when everything God made us to be is getting all of the attention, all of the nourish, nourishment All of the encouragement we need. And all of a sudden, a person feels whole. A person feels complete. Life does have purpose and meaning. There's an excitement of getting up every morning and realizing God's got something today. God's got something great today. God's got something wonderful for me. God's got something wonderful for my family. I can't wait to see what God's gonna do today, but I'm glad I get to know him. I'm glad he's told me in his word who I am and how I can be what he wants me to be. Yes. But I'm just telling you, if you listen to the devil, he will do his best to distract you from the things that really matter and eternally matter and put in a bunch of substitutes that will never amount to a hill of beans. Sometimes that means giving hard answers to questions. My son's sitting here. I'm going to talk about him for a minute. Embarrassing just a little bit. But he, he loves baseball. I like baseball. He might have got that love for baseball from me. So after leaving a baseball game just a few weeks ago, we're in the car, we're driving, we're gonna go get something to eat. He says, dad, i got a question for you. I want you to answer me honestly. I said, okay. Do you think I would make it in the major league? And I said, not a chance. <laughs> Isn't that what I said? I said, not a chance. And I know some of you right now are cringing. You're destroying his dreams. No, I'm trying to raise a kid that lives in reality. I'm on a public high school basketball coaching staff. And sometimes I'm the guy that has to sit down with the kid who's going into his senior year and not one school has ever taken a look at him. They don't even know he exists. And his greatest goal is to play in the NBA. And he's walked around in a public high school school for three years going into his fourth year with posters all over the walls that say this, and I quote, never let anyone tell you to give up on your dreams. And I'm the guy that has to sit down with him and tell him, you need to give up on your dream. (laughs) (laughs) And then I show him the numbers. 0.03% of high school varsity basketball players ever make it in the NBA. That doesn't mean you can't have a rich and rewarding life. But you're going into your senior year, there's not a college that even knows you exist. That's not a good sign. It's not impossible. But what I try to tell them is this, there's other rewarding things in life than just following this sport until it dumps you on your head. And I'm only saying this because this is the bold reality of what I've seen so many times now. You follow this sport until nobody wants you to play for them and it's the only thing you know and it dumps you on your head and all of a sudden I'm getting a phone call going, life is not what I thought it was gonna be and I have no idea what to do because I put everything in on this. But I've done it long enough now where I've had guys say, Pastor, I appreciate you telling me the truth. I appreciate you not letting me waste years and just wander aimlessly around and allowed to get my life on a path that was actually going somewhere. Productive. See, sometimes the truth isn't what we want to hear. But here's something the truth always is. It's always good. It's always good. And when we're willing to accept it, boy, there's a God who so desires relationship with his creation that he's willing to just fill our lives with more than we ever thought possible. Amen. Yeah, right. yes, it's rewarding, it's rewarding to know who we are in Jesus Christ. As an individual, as a family, we've got to put some focus on all of who we are. And not just the part the devil wants us to focus on. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Lord, I don't know the heart of every person in here. You do. I don't know the family situation of every person in here, but you do, God. Lord, you know whether someone has accepted the truth of your word and understood who they are as a sinner separated from you a body that's dying, a spirit that's dead, a soul under the condemnation of death. And God, I wanna thank you this morning for Jesus Christ who reconciles us back to you, who gives us life and life more abundant. And God, if there's somebody in here who's not saved, if they've never trusted in Christ for forgiveness of sin and eternal life, then God, I pray in just a moment as we sing in this invitation time, That you'd give them the courage to make their way up to the front of this auditorium where somebody would be happy to greet them, to pray with them, to show them scripture of how they can leave here today knowing for certain that their sin is forgiven and that they have eternal life. God, maybe there's a dad in here who needs to get on his knees this morning and say, God, I have neglected the spiritual condition of the people in the home that you've blessed me with. And God, I want that to change. Maybe there's a mom who needs to get on her knees and say, God, help me as a wife and mother to consider the spiritual needs and the needs of the souls of the people that you've placed under my authority and in my care. Lord, maybe there's some young people who need to be on their knees this morning, say, God, I've been looking at so many things that are so temporary and in the grand scheme of things won't matter. But God, this morning, I wanna wanna take stock of that which is eternal and that which really matters. However you wanna work in our hearts, God, we give you permission. I pray that you'd bless this time of invitation in Jesus' name, amen.